You're listening to The Rhythm of Rebellion by Taina Asili. Jimena Violante is a Mexican violinist, harana player, singer, teacher, actor, and organizer, creating spaces for people to celebrate their roots, reimagine their futures, and expand their communities. Jimena is the band leader and songwriter for Interminable, a futuristic fusion project that brings together Son Jarocho, an Afro-Mestizo musical tradition from Mexico, with jazz, rock, and funk. Jimena has also been a featured guest musician with many well-known artists, including Las Cafeteras and Flor de Toroache. And they were on the soundtrack for Disney's The Last of the Chupacabras. Additionally, they do theatrical performances and arts education. I first met Jimena at a performance with our two groups in Philadelphia, the city where they currently reside and where I lived for many years in my young adult life. I have been a huge fan of their music and work ever since, and I'm so grateful to have them on the show today. Hello, Jimena. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so grateful to have you here. Hola, today. hola. Muchas gracias por tenerme aquí. Thank you so much for having me on this. This is a conversation I've been wanting to have with you for a long time. Like, we know each other, but don't. You know, like, we, we haven't gotten that, like, intimate conversation connection time. And that's one of the things I love about this show is that it gives me an opportunity to have really intentional conversations with people that I consider friends and and fellow performing artists in this work for social justice. Um, and you and I had the opportunity to collaborate in a performance, I think first it was in Philly for our album release. Yeah, at the Rotunda. At the Rotunda in Philly. And um, and then more recently, we, we were on the same series at the World Cafe Live in Philly and connected again at that time. And in between time, I've just been like witnessing all that you've been doing with Interminable and just super grateful for your existence and art and creation in this world. And I'm just super grateful to take this deep dive with you. Oh yeah, thank so you so thank much, you. yeah. I wanted to start by talking a little bit about your early history in music, because I'm, I'm really curious about what your early journey of music looks like and you know what what that looks like in general and then also when did son jarocho come into your life yeah absolutely um so i'm originally from mexico city i was born there um but then we moved up to the u.s me and my parents when i was pretty young and I was seven years old at that time. And even from before then, I think I had just always been interested in learning an instrument. And so I had been kind of like pestering my parents like, hey, can can I play guitar? Can I play piano? And they were like, wait till you're older, wait till you're older. And finally, when we were in the U.S., um, a little bit after we got here to the U.S., they were like, OK, fine, you can like, you know, you can save up your allowances. And like we went and got a little keyboard from Radio Shack. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and and that's how I started um just learning a little bit on my own and then my school's orchestra program started and they were like well here's the instruments you can choose from and I was like well I don't know what that is that one's too big so I'll choose the violin so <laughs> uh 
Um, so I started off on violin when I was in third grade. Same, by the way. Yeah? Violin, third grade. Yep. Whoa, that's awesome. <laughs> See, that's cool. That, that's <laughs> awesome. That's how we're doing this. So yeah, so I started off with the school's orchestra program. I continued playing violin um, until now. It's still, I consider it to be one of my main instruments. And so I grew up, you know, doing the whole classical music thing. And I continued playing piano for a little bit, but then I quit a little bit after that just to focus on violin. I went to school for music as well. I went to Swarthmore College. And so I was in that classical music world. But then in like middle school is when I also discovered rock and like alternative rock and indie and just really got into that as well. And so then I started playing electric guitar and... Then it got to a point in college because I had been in, you know, it was like a white suburb of Philly. And so I was in, in that world, you know, and then it got to a point in college where it was kind of like, wait, how is it that I'm from Mexico, but I know very little really about the music of where I'm from. And there was a mariachi group on campus. So I joined that on violin and started singing in Spanish for the first time, which I didn't I didn't even like to sing back then. I hated singing for a while. Um, but then I started Aww. singing, start joining that group. I started just learning a lot more about like just the music that exists outside of like the US and Eurocentric scope of things. And that's when Sonjarocho came into my life. Basically like my last couple years of, of college through a band called Las Cafeteras that do kind of like a Chicano version of Son Jarocho. It's not even like, mm -hmm. you know, traditional, traditional Son Jarocho. But I loved what they were doing and especially them being like activists and organizers. So I loved their message. But then also I was like, I want to learn more about the traditional, the root that that comes from. And so that's when I started going to, to workshops. I ended up actually doing my thesis on Son Jarocho and on, on how tradition adapts just in different contexts and how groups like Las Cafeteras are actually continuing that history of resistance from the colonial era to now. And so I just, I me enamoré de eso, I just fell in love with that tradition. And, and here I am still. Now I, I've been doing commun leading community music workshops in Philly for about seven years now of Son Jarocho. And then I started Interminable also about like, like six years ago now. We're also there. It's all about exploring the connections with Son Jarocho to jazz, to rock, to to classical music as well. Because I, you know, I also came up in that, as did some other musicians in the band, and um, funk, just like all these other things that actually have a lot of overlap. So that's a little like the the Spark Notes version <laughs> of my uh, yes. of my music music journey. You know, I, I I feel like I resonate so deeply with so much of what you shared beyond the third grade violin um you know this idea of wanting to just fold in all of myself the folkloric aspects of my upbringing wanting to reconnect with this musical culture folkloric culture that i had kind of lost contact with mm -hmm. i want to hear more about what that looks like today for you in interminable particularly as it relates to i think one thing that's really interesting is you talk a lot about improvisation, the role of improvisation in that work? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for me, you know, like I said, growing up in classical music and even in rock, there's there's kind of, at least in the stuff I was listening to, there wasn't a lot of space for improvisation in either of those things. You know, it was like, you know, the same guitar solo that you would learn and play, you know, the same way, or it was... Um, 
you know, in classical music, obviously it's the sheet music and you play it the same way every time. And so I didn't have any idea really how to improvise until even once I was graduating college, I was very new to it. But entering that world and learning from it really changed my perspective just on 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 life honestly and on mm-hmm. how we can create community and how we can express ourselves creatively because it showed me just a completely different way of interacting with music right it showed me a way that wasn't so hierarchical and wasn't so um choreographed so to say you know so the central celebration of son jarocho is called the fandango so it's very similar to like I'm sure you're familiar with like bomba or like if anyone's um, not familiar with those things, it's kind of more similar to like a jazz jam session, right? Where it's like anyone can join and we maybe riff off of certain pre-established like standards, so to speak, you know, in this case is sones. And so there may be like a general chord structure or like certain rhythms and stuff that are, and verses, especially that are kind of staples within it. But then within that, you can improvise with the melody, with the, you can play with rhythm a lot. It's not set who's going to sing first or who's going to respond, you know? So suddenly going into that world where it's not written, where depending on who shows up and how the energy's flowing, one song may last five minutes. It may last 45 minutes mm. or longer, right? And so suddenly being in that space and people actually being like also super welcoming, of like, oh, hey, you you don't know this? Here, let me teach it to you. Hey, do you have where to stay tonight? If not, you can crash on my couch. Just being like so generous. And then hearing how that reflected in the music and just the energy that it gave me, that's what really drew me in. So improvisation, really, I see it at the heart of that, where it's like, sure, it's in the music, but it's also in the way that we create these spaces and the way that we form community and the way of like, Mm -hmm. hey, we have these tools and we're going to recreate them every time and it's going to be a little bit different every time, but it depends on who comes into the space, what energy they bring, what we need, and then we'll figure it out from there. So that that was a real eye opener for me and and just a really deep life lesson that now I now I think has expanded into everything I do. It's changed the way I teach, it's changed the way I play music, it's changed the the way I approach um, just everything, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Improvisation is such a, for me, it's such a um, liberation practice. Um, trusting and believing in my authentic voice and like whatever needs to be released and shared in that moment exactly and for me it's also a real spiritual practice you know just like especially when i get into like that catching spirit moment in my music where i feel like for me it's there's something divine that is within and even perhaps beyond me that's being transmitted through me i just feel this sense of connection with all life and I just I release it I I feel like I'm flying when I'm improvising with my voice you know and it's just it's so powerful and I I love it and I I wonder how how does it manifest today with Interminable like how do you fold in improvisation so it's at the center of how we perform all of the other musicians are super well versed in 
jazz and blues and hip hop and funk and all these different styles that that have improvisation at their root in some way or another. And so even from how we create like the general structure of the songs, you know, for me in that in that project, the way I've I've led it all these years, it's like I I bring like the shells of the songs, kind of like the chords, the verses, the general rhythm that I'm going to be playing. And then I present it to the musicians and I'm like, okay, here's what I'm going to be doing. What do you hear? What do you want to bring in? And so then they bring their ears. So they end up writing, I don't know, horn lines that I would never have thought of, you know, because they, because they come from just a different musical background or, or the drummer will bring in different, just a different rhythm than what I would have thought would fit the song. But then they'll bring in something completely different that actually gives it a completely different life. And it's incredible. Um, so for me, it's it's just been such a really awesome exercise and experiment in, in collaboration to see the different life that each person brings. And throughout the years, there's been lots of different people that have passed through the project. And that's also been just beautiful to see how it with each person that comes and lends their voice, it takes on new life. And even throughout the years, then maybe we'll get a new idea or um, even just recently, we changed the arrangement on one of the songs because at rehearsal, the drummer was like, wait, what if we do this? What if we bring in this little like rhythm? We give it kind of more like West African feel. And it's so cool. It ended up like just taking in a new direction. And it's yeah. so cool also what you're saying. I think you use the term like catching energy um, like you kind of get in that zone. I love that. I, I, I feel like that's not talked about a lot. And we recently had a moment of that. We were recording a live video of a song. And so we we're just having to do like a couple takes of like the same song. So, you know, you kind of at, at a certain point, it like you kind of enter this weird like twilight zone of like, <laughs> you know, where you're not sure where you're at in the song. But I kind of just like allowed that energy to happen exactly what you're describing and it was so cool it's like I was hearing myself sing but it definitely felt just like I was like this vessel for that for that energy that was happening and suddenly I heard myself saying different words than what I usually Mm. sing in the song yes (laughs) and and so we finished and I was like whoa that was cool so so there's um uh, this he must, so this he must, like a 10 line poetic form that you'll find throughout Latin America. Yeah. And so I wrote some this he must years ago, even right before Interminable. I had been invited to an event that Kame, who goes by the artist name More Mother, she had put this event together in Philly. She's a brilliant Philly artist. Uh, well, actually, it has, isn't based in Philly anymore, I don't think. But, anyways. Um, does a lot of like Afrofuturist work and just incredible, again, a lot of improvisatory music. And so she had put this event together and I wanted to write some decimas about like what it meant for me to be in that space and how I think Afrofuturist thought and everything has really influenced me and I think just overlaps a lot with what I'm trying to do as well. And, And so I wrote these decimas. And so those are the ones that I ended up bringing into the song that we were doing, which is called El Camino. And so in that song, I have a line that says, Se en la ciencia o en reclamo, 
uh, talking about like wherever you are in the fight, whether it's through science. Again, I was thinking of like that group because they use a lot of like quantum physics and like all this other stuff. So I was saying, "Sen la yeah. ciencia o en reclamo," which is like the reclamo is like the maybe what you'll shout at a protest or like those those slogans, right? So I was saying like whether you're using this tool or that tool. Nuestro futuro es gigante. Our future is huge, right? That that's the original lyric that I had wrote for that. But when I was in that, like in that zone and channeling that, I heard myself saying, "Sean la fiesta o el reclamo." Mm. And so I ended up saying, whether it's through the celebration, like the party, or whether it's through these slogans, our future is huge. And so it was, it was so cool. I, like it ended, and I was like, "Whoa, that actually." captures a lot of what I'm going for where it's like whether it's through these like like I was talking about the fandango that celebration all of that coming together as a community that's also mm -hmm. a liberatory tool you know so anyways it just right now what you said reminded me of that of that moment yeah yeah when you talked about this idea of shifting the original lyrics to something new I think about renacen I think about rebirthing, right? And like allowing the music to to rebirth, to transform us. Yeah. And so I, I guess it, it, there's sort of two questions in there for me. And one is about the the deeper meaning of your album, uh, Rebirth with Nasen. But also, what is the deeper intention behind Interminable's music? Like, what are you hoping to do, feel, experience, give? with that work? Yeah, yeah, these are great questions. Um, so I feel like this project has taught me a lot as it's gone, a lot of these songs. Like I kind of had a certain intention in mind and then I'll write these songs and then as we sing them and as the years pass, it actually has taught me where it's going. So one of them is even in the name, Interminable, right? Originally, I just wanted a word that was the same in both English and Spanish. And then also something that uh, just felt like it it tapped into that creative energy, etc. And so we chose that name and we because <laughs> we had to choose it like very last minute, like we, we were about to play a show and we didn't have a name. And so I was just like last minute coming up, like brainstorming with some folks at a San Jarocho workshop. And we came up with that and it stuck. And I and I love it because it's taught me that really a kind of core message or a core purpose or meaning that we're going toward is to tap into that endless nature we have, right? To tap into the fact that when we tap into our creativity, we inspire those around us. And that creates a never-ending cycle of inspiration and of creativity and of rebirth then, mm -hmm. right? Um, as individuals, as communities, And so I always say, you know, it, with Interminable, it's even if you only come to one of our shows, but at that one show, I don't know, one of the songs inspires you to do something, or maybe you meet someone at that show, and then you end up collaborating with them down the line, and then that ends up inspiring someone else, that ends up inspiring someone else, et cetera, et cetera. That, to me, is, is so beautiful, it's so powerful, and that's also why for the name of the album is Rebirth Renacer. It's that, it's that same idea, it's that ability that we have. And in that, I'm including anyone, 
anyone. I think mm-hmm. we're, we all have that creative energy inside us. Absolutely. So, we're born with it. It's our human creative gift. That's what we were born with as humans is this power to create. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, you know, obviously it manifests in different ways in different people, but I think we all have that ability to imagine new ways of being to inspire each other, to just be creative, whether you're a teacher and you're coming up with new ways of of teaching something, whether you're a visual artist, whether you're, I, I, I see all of it, all of it connected. And even if you work in, I don't know, corporate, corporate, whatever, but in the ways that you form friendships, in the ways that you approach your work, in the ways that you, whatever it is you do, I think it's in everybody. And I think the more that we can remind ourselves of that and really do that intentionally, that can just be really meaningful. And I know art, like, I, yeah, of course, we have this ideal of, like, art will change the world. You know, I, I don't think it's sure, like, what would it be incredible if, like, with one song we could completely, like, I don't know, undo white supremacy, et cetera, whatever. Like, yeah, that'd be incredible. Will it? Probably not. But what it can do is inspire one person, several people, a group of people, a community. And now we're thinking about things differently. Now we're inspired. That that already there is that's it. That's it. That's everything. So for me that's that's kind of been a driving force to do that for myself and in doing so to inspire those around me, to learn from those around me. And look, like even just being here with you, that's that's already showing that that it, it's happening, you know, when we're able to collaborate with people like you who are also on that path and doing it from your own place with creating such beautiful music with such beautiful messaging, then that already to me, it's like it's it's working. You know, I, I often get the question, what kind of impact have you seen? You know, what kind of impact have you seen with your work? Sometimes I can answer that really concretely and I can name some things. But I also don't always love that question because what I know is that there's no way that I can fully know the impact that I or we or any of us have on other people, you know. But I have to believe it's more the belief in the impact that when we touch someone, we it ripples, right? And it makes some sort of change it makes some sort of influence on their on their existence because music isn't just a theoretical concept there's an actual physical vibration that is physically actually touching and hitting another human being right yeah and so so there is impact punto, right there's impact we know this yes but in what way does it ripple in someone we can't always know Um, And I know that in like the 25 years that I've been doing music, like I might not have known something and then someone emails me and like 20 years ago, that song that you did, it may inspired me to do this. And I know you never knew it, but today I'm a teacher and teaching social justice and da 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 and I'm so grateful, you know? And so sometimes we get those juicy clues and bits and pieces of our impact, but we might not ever know fully. So I guess I'm curious, is there anything that you've witnessed so far, like any clues that you've had on the impact of your music that you hold dear to you, that are special to you, that that you could share? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like you say, sometimes there's things that we know, sometimes there's things we don't. I, it's same with me. Once in a while, we'll, we'll get messages from people just being like, oh, I, I see what you're doing. I'm re- I, I really like it. And 
I was talking about that actually recently at Soulfire, another place that I think is is one of those evidences in and of themselves, right? Of like when when we're meeting incredible people like that and incredible projects like that, that to me already is evidence that that is working, that that it's leading us towards each other and on the right path. And I met a musician there, Reina Fabiola, who is part of um, Savila and uh, Reina Tropical and a bunch of projects. And I was like, hey, I really appreciate your music. Like, it's really inspiring. And she was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I, I never know, like, yeah, who like who's listening or what. And I'm like, no, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm listening. I think a lot of people are. And we talked about that, how sometimes I think as artists, too, in this current day and age, it can feel so disorienting because everything's so centered on like social media and like your Spotify wrapped numbers and like all these things that sure they can tell you one thing, but sometimes there's these things like that that just go beyond, you know, how many likes you get or something that it can't tell you. And where the algorithm I do think is actually kind of set up against us where it's like, it's hard to get our things out sometimes. I see that in in the project and, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't think it's really having that much of an impact or, you know, where it can feel so doubtful. But then we'll go and we'll get out there and we'll do a show. And right away, I see how exciting this is for people and how inspiring it is for people. And I'm like, wait, right, this is, it's the people. That's what it's about. (laughs) You know, that's That's what it's about. And that's there. It kind of perfectly leads me to my next question, which is what are some struggles that you face, like creating and sharing your work? Um, you spoke to the idea of the algorithms not working in our favor, you know, and I think that when we're doing this craft, we're not working within like the normal rules of the game. And it means that, you know, the music industry as it's built doesn't always serve us in the same respect. I was curious if you've experienced that at all. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially in a city like Philly, where there's Philly's incredible. Philly's got so much heart and soul and talent, just incredible talent. And so many of the larger venues there don't support that local talent. Right. And maybe they do about a tiny bit or it's like there's just a lot of like hesitation on the part of the venues to to really support those local artists because I guess there there's more of a draw to bringing in like you know, larger national touring groups and all that, which I understand, you know, it's like they're a business, they got to do that. But it is really sad to see how much talent there is in Philly and how that's sometimes not there, right? Yeah. So so I have seen that. I've seen that not just with Interminable, but with a lot of other Philly artists. And that is tough to see. That is tough to see, which is why it's so exciting to see when there are those moments where, where Philly artists and wherever they're at, you know, independent artists get celebrated for what they're doing, get that recognition. That's really exciting to me. So, you know, there are those moments, like recently that that series that we were able to do at World Cafe Live, where I was one of the curators. And so that was a really incredible opportunity to be like, all right, let's bring in my band, let's bring in Taina, let's bring in, you know, Crudes Cubensi, and let's bring in, like, yes. you know, we brought in Senia Rubinos and all these other yes. folks that I was so excited to finally get to bring you all to that stage, especially knowing, you know, y'all are independent artists and and bringing that incredible message, but maybe not having that kind of institutional support. Mm-hmm. So I do see that. But yeah, yeah, it's tough. And, and, and then just within, like, you know, like we said, with Spotify or social media, all that stuff, it's, 
Yeah, it's tougher because you don't have that institutional support behind you. You don't have like managers where sometimes they'll like have ordered, say, like a shirt or something from us and they'll be like, oh, it didn't get shipped out. Can you check with you know, the the company that ships them out. I'm like, it is literally me. There's no company, boo. There, there's there's no, no company. It is me going to the post office. Like, I just came back from the post office right. right now. You know? Same, same. Yeah. Same. So, you know, you know how it is. So, it's yeah. it's literally just me, like, screen printing things at my mom's place. Like, That's right. That's and then right. shipping them out to people. So, it's, you know, but it's great. And I do think there's a lot of people that see that. And it's great to find other artists who are also doing that. Because then there's a different type of support that happens there. Yeah, I I was just writing about that a little bit today. Um, just like how I don't think that I would have the longevity or success that I've had in my career, if I didn't have other artists as a community of artists, and it doesn't matter, like it's not genre specific, yeah. but really just like other grassroots artists that are working to create art to make a better world. We exchanging resources, supporting one another, lifting each other up when we can. And again, thank you for that series and that work that you did this summer to lift up these artists. I think that that's essential. Um, to us being able to share our work with the world, we lean on each other, you know? Yeah. Are there any other important teachings that you've received that you would want to share with an upcoming artist today? Yeah, I think it's that, just that really... I think our strength is in our community and I found that support with other artists as well, just like you were saying, you know, and I think that's been one of the biggest and most difficult processes with one of <laughs> with this band was exactly that was when we put out our album, you know, putting together an album is I, I talk about it. It's, that's our baby. You know, you go to a, through a gestation process. It's, it's so difficult. Um, and it's every bit as worth it as well, you know? So going through that process, you know, for me, it was reaching out to other artists, reaching out to, hey, how did you do it? What does digital distribution look like for you? Where, What are the options? Where can I print CDs? You know, everything, everything. I did not learn that. There may be a few schools that teach it. I hope so. But there's really not. Yeah. <laughs> At least the, the school I went to did not teach that in any way, shape or form. And so reaching out to artists and them just being so down to like, hey, yeah, here's what we use. Here's what we did. Um, talk to this person. That is what made it possible. And then we put together a Kickstarter, also with the support of, of a ton of folks. And even someone who worked within Kickstarter, who was kind of like, hey, here's what I've seen helps with projects, like set up your, um, what is it, the like, rewards and stuff you know just giving us a couple pointers and then from there just putting in a ton of work putting it out there and seeing our community support us like that that was such a blessing and a a lesson in the strength of our community and so we got the money together we're able to pay the artists cover the production costs all that and we're able to to birth our baby. <laughs> so, yeah. so that I yeah. think is huge. I think if, if you're an independent artist and you're listening to this, um, I would say that just really, like, I think we are our own, um, you know, <laughs> labels and 
PR, everything help, you know, um, just like reach out to folks, see, I think that's really where it's at. That That's at least what's really come through for me is just counting on support from a ton of people around me. Ask, and then once you figure something out for yourself, and then you can help the next person coming along that maybe doesn't know that yet, right? Yeah. So I think that's really beautiful to see that continue to happen and, and getting stronger and stronger every day. I think just that, and I think seeing that come through like we were talking about earlier has just been a really huge lesson too and just how we are inspiring other people we are I think yeah I guess it's just a theme that's coming up like Mm -hmm. don't just look at the social media numbers but really get out there and talk to people and and allow that support to reach you I think has been another big lesson that I've learned you know and like not just in regards to money where that's also a huge lesson of like how do you allow yourself and the project to be paid well but also allow people's like everything emotional whatever type of support to to reach that and to really nourish what it is that you're doing Mm. is a lesson is a lesson and i'm i'm grateful for that work it's it's tough it's tough it's a whole process it's a whole process i'm still learning a lot but when there's moments even just like this getting invited on this podcast for me is like damn that that's awesome you know i think it's it is that support being manifest so well thank you and you know i was thinking about the diy ethic that i was raised with in punk rock and how even though it's been you know over 20 years since i uh played in my punk band like everything that i learned from that time it's folded into what I do today, you yeah. know, and so much of that was about community. And as you speaking, I'm not just thinking about the artist community, but you're right, like all of the community that I've built that have supported me throughout the years when music venues didn't and record labels didn't and, you know, so on and so forth, you know, being able to lean into this beautiful community over the years has been essential. Uh, before we end, I want to hear more about the new work that you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. So most recently in my life, I started getting offered theater gigs, and especially in acting, which is completely new to me. <laughs> and so that's been really interesting and really exciting to delve into. I just recently completed a tour. Well, it was a one-month tour throughout Delaware, where I was one of the main actors in a bilingual musical adaptation of Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. So it was written to shed light on the migrant experience, on the refugee experience, um, in obviously it, within Shakespeare fictional world, but to talk about the U.S. So it was a really cool experience and where, again, I think it showed me that all creative disciplines just completely overlap I was acting and playing music within it but just learning more about like how do you you know embody or how do you use like different tone or inflection or yeah how do you use your voice and your body in different ways to get a message across as you have to do in acting and how that then you know interacts with the actors around you and with the audience and all of that it's just, I can already tell it's making me a stronger performer when I then get back on stage with Interminable. I notice myself uh, moving differently. 
So it was a whole learning experience too of like how do you how do you express all these things and how do you um just tap into a lot more bigger expressions than I ever had had. So that was a challenge but also a learning experience and it was really cool too cuz in the musical I was Festy who traditionally is like the fool but in this adaptation of it it was also the the activist so i was leading protests with the audiences and playing harana and singing but then also like you know hatching mischievous plans to like take down the chief financial officer of the uh, organization in charge of detention centers and stuff <laughs> so <laughs> it was um it, it was really cool and and i think we're going to be staging it again and then as part of that well with the same director we applied and received the Pew grant to do a new play where I'll be music directing and it'll be a new play exploring the just like Mexican identity and how that persists and changes throughout all these historical processes whether it's colonization or migration and kind of like what persists what changes where does that strand of DNA lie that makes us Mexican. Mm, wow. And is this something that we'll be able to get to witness in the coming year? Yeah, absolutely. Years? So that's going to be a long process. And we're looking to perform it. To, um, I think it'll be a week or two in fall of 2024. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to be developing it from these next couple years. Wow. Yeah. I am so looking forward to that. I I have such a love of theater and musical theater. I grew up doing musical theater and oh, still awesome. very much love it to this day. And I too find that even though it's been a long time that it's folded into the performance that I do. Exactly. You know, and I'm ready to reintegrate that even more so in the coming years. So oh, that's I awesome. look forward to being able to witness and be inspired by this next iteration of your work. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we get to collaborate a lot more too. Absolutely. I think, <laughs> I think it's time. I think it's time. I hope we do. Jimena, thank you so much for being on the Rhythm of Rebellion. I'm so grateful to have this conversation. I look forward to more collaboration and mutual support. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks to whoever is listening. I'm Wishing you all the best with your creative processes, and I hope this can inspire you as well. Thank you so much for listening to The Rhythm of Rebellion. I want to thank our guests today, as well as Moses Nagel, our editor, Sina Basila Hickey, and all of our partners at Hudson Mohawk Magazine. You can find me on Facebook at Taina Asili Music, on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Taina Asili, and at tainaasili.com. Peace, love, and liberation. Thank you.